Hey, uh, welcome to the Overseer Pamphlet. My name is Rob, and I'm the host of this one-man show. Welcome back. Happy December, I guess, even though I already put out an episode in December. I don't know what I'm saying, honestly. But yeah, welcome back. Um, hope y'all are, are enjoying this um, holiday season. Um... Yeah, this is probably going to be the last um, episode of the month and of the year. <laughs> so, yeah, like, that's that's going to be um, quite a nice time for me coming, like, going forward, honestly, because I'm going to go um, to Italy for a couple of weeks and then I'm going to be back. And I'm going to be back at it again with the podcast. Um, I probably won't record, you know, I, I don't think I will record when I'm back in Italy because that would mean like I have to bring all the recording stuff with me and it would be quite a pain in the ass. But um, yeah, I'll see if I can do a little recording before leaving for a special episode for Christmas. But we'll see about that. We'll see. No promises. No promises. Now, let's get into what actually I'm going to talk about this week. And this week is, um, to be fair, like, I would I would have to say, like, the, the holiday season usually gets quite boring. And it's, like, in terms of media and all that stuff, like, even movies and all, all that uh, shebang. So, but, imagine my surprise when I, would, when I found out that, well, supposedly, um, SZA was going to um, release the deluxe version of, uh, of her album, um, S.O.S., so technically, and even some media outlets reported, um, I think she was supposed to like um, <laughs> drop the the deluxe version named Lana on the the fifteenth of December. So past Friday, right? Well, that did not happen. I don't know. I think. Well, I'm not really surprised because Cesar is the type of person who does that all the time. Like she drops some things and then, well, she says some things and then they don't necessarily follow up and all of that so but i was really planning to like do a full review of the deluxe tracks because i was very hyped i even watched the apple tv um interview that she did for well the sos tour and she was talking basically also about the deluxe and it came out on wednesday this last week well this week um so yeah it didn't come true very mad about that uh, but, you know, you go, you do what you gotta do, like, you, it is what it is, um, I hope she does release it soon, though, because I really want to listen to the songs, because she hyped it up so much, I'm very excited to see what she does, um, she says that the vibe of the deluxe tracks are gonna be quite different, so, very excited about that, but anyways, that leads me to what I wanted to say, which is basically that I only have two stories today, which is fine, wrote quite a lot of notes on that, and I've, actually, I'm quite contempt with what I did, because, I think maybe a third story would have been quite a lot to be fair to cover. It might not be as long as the other episodes, but that'll do. That'll do for this episode, you know? So what I, what am I going to talk about today? Today I'm going to talk about um, the Wonka movie, the Willy Wonka movie, the um, movie with uh, Timothy Chalamet, and... Yeah, I'm going to get into like a full review of the movie. I watched it uh, last week just um, out of curiosity, honestly. Heard good reviews and went to watch it. And yeah, and 
Also, I'm going to talk about some Scooter Braun nonsense, some quite,、um, frankly, like quite disturbing things.、Um, I think I might talk that about about that first, like about the Scooter Braun because、uh, situation because it's like quite, you know, an annoying like annoying story because it's quite annoying. Like the person is quite annoying and the matter is quite、um, deep. And then I'm gonna do the Wonka review later, like after that, because I think the Wonka movie is actually quite like lighthearted and all that. So I'd like to hand to end this like episode and this like season with. A bit of like a positive note, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. But before we get into that, of course, it's time for the songs of the week. Songs of the week.、Um, yes. Let's start. Let's start with the songs of the week.、Um, first song is "Guilty Conscience" by Tate McRae. So,、um, this is、um, part of her second album.、Uh, Tate McRae. If you haven't heard of her. She's one of the new pop girlies on the scene. Like I'm quite impressed by her. I've been a fan for quite a bit now, and I am happy to report that the album, the album that she put out, the second one, it's quite, um, I would say like a a good improvement in her like artistic direction. You know, like she's solidifying her position. She's finally getting a bit of a push right by RCA, which is notably one of the worst.、Um, Labels ever, <laughs> they are very selective, and they don't really push their artists equally.、Um, I'm talking about Normani. I'm talking about、um, Dolce. I think she's on the RCA. I don't know, but either way, like, I'm very happy with what she did. The album is okay. I would say like it's not like the best pop album、I've、ever heard, but there are some quite good tracks on it. Greedy, of course, is on there. Um, you might have heard it on TikTok. It's quite famous on TikTok. She's、uh, really doing that. But yeah, she put out her second album, Think Later, on Friday. Well, basically when Pink Friday came out. So I didn't really cover it last week. But、um, yeah, so she、um, put out the album, had a fair share of listens, and Guilty Conscience is probably my favorite on the album as of now. Really love the song. Been replaying it. It's quite、um, gritty, like quite good, like it very、um, like dark pop in that sense. Quite good.、Um, I think it's like the right direction. Like it really like portrays what she's good at. She she loves talking about、um, like toxic love and all that shit. And I'm kind of a sucker for that. She is really good at it.、Uh, the beat is beating, as Asia would say. The beat is beating.、Um, The lyrics are like you know pops like pop shallow lyrics, but they get you, they get you, they get you.、Um, my favorite lyric is "I'll be wanting you back till the cops start calling." <laughs> yeah, period. Like that's crazy bitch behavior, and we love that. So yeah, the song go listen to it. It's quite quite good, quite good. Made it a cut on my、uh, also my um, winter uh, seasonal playlist on Spotify. Yeah. Go go get it. Second song is "Per" by Slater. Slater is my, I guess,、um, guilty pleasure when it comes to like hyperpop. She's so good. She is truly the daughter of Britney Spears.、Um, I've enjoyed a lot of her stuff previously, and this is from her、uh, 
is it a third EP or album, like a third album, I think it is, called Starfucker, um, beep it, beep it, beep it, <laughs> start bleep, um, but, <laughs> yeah, she's really good, um, in terms of, like, reviving that, um, like, dirty hit, I would say, like, a, a very, like, dirty sound, I just want to call it, like, I don't know, that's the vibe I get when I hear her songs, she's, like, so good, I love hyper pop, it's such a, like, hyper, as it says, like, that's the name is, like, very, like, gritty, like, dirty pop, in that sense, I don't know how to explain it, it's quite good, it's, like, very jarring uh, sounds, and, yeah, she is, I would say, like, one of the best, um, hyper pop girlies, hyper pop girlies are, unfortunately, like, um, you know, are bound to not, like, become ever, like, I would say, like, major pop stars in that sense, like, a mainstream, because hyper pop is quite, like, as I said, like, quite jarring, it's quite, like, loud and, um, you know, aggressive, but, yeah, she is really, like, impersonating Britney so well, like, she has that Britney Spears persona so, 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 so good, even the way she sings and the beats are very similar to, what like, what she would do, or what Britney would do on a Blackout album, you know, so, 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 so nice. Starfucker, I didn't really, like, um, connect with it when it came out. I think it was, like, a year ago, or, like, this year, or early on. But, no, yeah, it's probably, it was probably this year, yeah. Um, it's not that I didn't connect with it, but it's just, like, um, I think the singles were quite, like, 80s-influenced. Um, and I, I'm, frankly, quite bored of that. I've been bored for quite a while with the 80s, um, 80s pop, like, revival like I'm, I th I'm really starving for like a um, new wave of pop, like a new trend in pop, because it's just like getting honestly ridiculous and boring with all these like '80s um, synths and pops. Um, so yeah, hope that's my hope at least for 2024. But the album, like the B sides, like not the singles, they have quite a lot of like um, fortunate enough like um, hyper pop sounds, and Pur is one of them. I recently discovered it, I truthfully didn't listen to it when it, the album came out, but Purr is that bitch, it's about drugs, it's about, <laughs> it is about drugs actually, um, it's about power, it's about Purr, it's about a bitch going crazy, um, it does make me feel like a baddie, and yeah, oh, I also put <laughs> in my notes, I said, I even made a post on Instagram with that song, so you better go and support it, um, yeah, just do what Rob, uh, what Rob says, you know? Yeah, then the last song that I want to talk about is Super 8 by Tiger the Floor. She's, um, well, this is a band, I guess, like, a pretty cool and chill song. Like, very vibey, very, like, um, very nice to listen to, like, when you're doing something else. But I quite enjoyed it. It's also, I think, on my, um, winter playlist, if I'm not wrong. But, yeah, like, very nice song, very nice track very nice track, and I think that's it in terms of songs, um, I just want to shout out one last time, uh, Cobra, not specifically for any song, but I just went back to listen to all of her songs once again, it's just, she's just, like, like she's in my, like, um, whenever I want to get ready, I feel like, uh, you know, a hottie in that sense, I listen to Cobra, so go listen to Bang, be go hard with the bang, I just banged my way to the bang, period, or go listen to Good Puss, go listen to Suck, go listen to, um, 
brand new bitch. Like, there's so much good stuff from Cobra. So just shout out to her. Just, you know, if you want to feel like a bad bitch, go listen to Cobra and Slater, period. Yes. Now, let's get into the mess. Into the mess. Scooter Braun. Scooter Braun nonsense. Um, how did I get to Scooter Braun, you may ask? And that is quite interesting. Like, it's something that happened actually this week. So it's quite current. But it's also like a narrative that has been, like, a, not a narrative, like a, a, a behavior, I guess you could, like, um, a pattern you could see, I guess, for quite a while now. I would say, I would, I would venture to say... Actually, ever since Scooter Braun came into prominence, in that sense, but recently, and I by recently I mean since two thousand and nineteen, um, he's been quite at the forefront of uh, a lot of uh, music media and uh, news and all that. Um, but yeah, what uh, prompted me to uh, talk about this was one of my favorite YouTubers actually was. Copyright claimed by Scooter Braun Project LLC, and we'll get into that. What happened there? Um, but I think it's I'm I'm not gonna give the, this man because I, I sort of like dislike the man quite a lot, but I don't want to give him uh, much coverage in terms of like his personal life and how he came to fame and all that. But I'll I'll give him a bit of um a bit of a, like a context situation here, like give you references to who this guy is why is he so important why am i talking about him why am i giving him the time of day on this holy saturday <laughs> so um yeah it, it as i said like in my notes i came across this story quite late i literally started writing notes on this i think it was thursday evening and i finished typing up my notes actually right before recording this so Yes, but as soon as I saw the story, I immediately thought that I should talk about this expeditiously, expeditiously, you know? Um, yeah, so let me first get into who Scooter Braun is. This man is probably one of the uh, biggest, well, used to be, I want to say, I'm going to talk in the past because it used to be one of the biggest pop star managers in the US in the 2010s, 2000, 2010s. Uh, I think his decline was pretty clear in 2020s uh, going forward as well. I don't think he's going to be as prominent anymore. That's why I'm talking about used to be, but not currently, you know? So he, to give you some context, he's quite like the behemoth he used to be. He managed to um, become the manager of Justin Bieber. He actually is the one who discovered Justin Bieber back in 2007, was it? Yeah. Uh, he also used to manage Demi Lovato, Ariana Grande, uh, J Balvin, um, a bunch of other artists, to be fair. Yeah, so he used to be the shit, you know, in the music industry. Um, and he's also, like, I think most people now know him as the man who bought Taylor Swift's masters and sold them to um, another company. So, yeah. Nothing good comes from this man, you know? Um, also, currently, I think the, the current position that he holds most importantly right now, apart from um, being public enemy number one, <laughs> is that he also is the current CEO, CEO of Hype America. Hype, as some of you may know, is the Korean label that currently um, manages 
BTS, New Jeans, TXT, a lot of like very prominent groups in the K-pop scene, right? So Hype opened like a sub-label in America and called, called of course, Hype America. And it was basically... Um, like you put at the end of the Hype America is uh, Scooter Braun, and you might think like, what does this man have to do with uh, K-pop? Well, the answer is nothing. He, this guy doesn't, and he doesn't really care for this guy. Doesn't really matter as long as money is involved. This man, this man is like, might as well like manage a fucking I don't know, a farm in Ohio. But as long as he gave you, as long as he gave him like some big revenue, he would be on that shit you best believe the girl will be eating um yeah so Scooter Braun basically is quite a pow powerful man indeed uh still is because it's still I think his net worth is still 500 million I think so yeah quite quite a lot quite a wealthy man uh I would say like his reputation has definitely declined quite a lot ever since 2019 but um still a very prominent man with a lot of connections so yeah um, yeah, I, uh, I would say, like, many news outlets now finally started, like, coming forward. Um, I think 2022 was actually a big year where specifically the, uh, Business Insider, for example, published one of, uh, the bigger expose, I would say, against him. And it's actually one of the, uh, articles I read for this, um, uh, portion of the podcast but yeah when he um so basically what happened um uh i think many news and uh news outlets started like giving him like the bad rap because um it was su subsequently to uh the taylor swift masters debacle of course um and we finally have a lot of context and a lot of like hidden gems here and there that were not really brought to the, uh, to the forefront when it was quite prominent in the 2010s. Uh, so yeah, um, to give you some context, for example, when uh, he bought the Masters from Taylor's old label with our input, he bragged on social media saying that he bought Taylor Swift, quote-unquote, and that he then basically... That, of course, brought a lot of backlash against him. He was bragging about buying a, um, a pop star, but little did he know that that pop star is probably um, one of the most influential people that with a lot, one of the biggest followings ever. So he, of course, enraged a lot of people, and rightfully so. You know, um, he also made sign. Uh, he made Taylor Swift sign an NDA when he sold um, when he acquired the, mas the Masters, and then seventeenth month months later after buying them, um, he, he. This man is insane. He. Uh, basically sold them again to a private equity company called Shamrock Holdings, which currently still holds, oh, still owns, basically, yeah, the masters of the old Taylor Swift records. But yeah, uh, Taylor Swift also said that she tried to buy them herself, but Braun and, and his team asked her to sign an ironclad, uh, ironclad uh, NDA before she could even place a bid. So it was quite an unfair practice on him. That's why many people are enraged against him, because he truly is a money-hungry bitch, you know? Um... Of course, apart from being a, a money-hungry bitch, he's also a quite an aggressive manager who loves to be in the spotlight, and um, it like it's actually quite unusual for a manager to be this like mo uh, this like spotlight uh, like hungry in that sense, like this um, 
fame hungry because normally managers would stay in, uh, in the back stay behind the scenes and let the artist shine you know uh but no this man is quite the egotist and quite um you know self-centered so yeah the whole point of um this uh coming to florida spotlight i think it's quite odd also because like it tells us a bit of more about the character of this man you know so yeah but let's go a bit like a bit into the articles that exposed him. So in March 2022, um, insiders, uh, business insiders, uh, Anna Silman published an investigation into Braun's empire. And she started off with Kanye West. Um, and basically, like, was also, like, managed by uh, Scooter Braun at a time. Um, and, of course, you may know Kanye West for his very uh, debatable and quietly, uh, quite uh, frankly, honestly, disturbing personality. But we want, we're not going to get into, like, Kanye West specifically, but we're going to get what happened between him and um, Mr. Braun. Mr. Braun. So, yeah. In the 2022 article, Silman exposed him for trying to trick Kanye into signing a deal that would sell basically his brand... Yeezy, um, is, I think it's a clothing brand, yeah, to a third party. Once again, we have a similar pattern to what happened with Taylor's Masters, but anyways, a former associate of um, Yeezy said that, um, quite gracefully said, I guess, that Scooter's most important client has always been Scooter himself. He is very self-centered, very self-motivated, he never really cares about his actual artists. Like, he's a manager who doesn't actually care about you. He's a bit of a... Um, you know, a fraud. <laughs> Let's just say that. Um, he seems like truly a self-centered guy and is not a very transparent person as well because apparently he also sort of... You, like, you can say whatever you want about Kanye West, but it's clear that the, the man is ill. Like, he has, I think, bipolar disorder. He's quite fragile and all that. And Scooter Braun sort of used this fragility. Like, he exploited uh, the mental illness that... Kanye West has to um, basically get a profit, like a huge chunk of money out of um, a brand that is not even his, you know? So this man is truly evil, evil, evil. And you can see the same, like, I'm going to go even deeper into, like, his practices, but he's quite, like, there's sort of like a pattern that truthfully makes me believe that he's actually a very evil um, soul. So <laughs> I don't know. Like, he's quite... This man disgusts me, but um, we're going to get into more of these things. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically, um, um, a comparison that, like, yeah, basically, all managers, truthfully, sometimes get their hands dirty to protect their clients. That's a normal thing to do. Like, they would do whatever, but um, I think Braun has been exposed for, like, taking things way too far. For example, um, when he discovered Justin Bieber... And when Justin Bieber started having, like, loads of scandals, uh, Braun basically started blaming, like, manipulating the news and buying off uh, outlets to basically curb, I guess, like this, um, the, pers the, the perspective on the whole, like, for example, weed tobacco of Justin Bieber. He started blaming this rapper called Lil Twist, a close friend of Justin Bieber. And it's become, like, quite this he became during the the yeah, 2010s the scapegoat for anything that Justin Bieber did basically so if you were around the time I think uh, there around that time I, I think you would um remember quite quite a lot about for example Justin Bieber being stopped for 
peeing in public or buying weed or saying the n-word or whatever it is and somehow the the news always managed to bring in this uh, rapper Lil Twist as a bad influence over the guy so and mind you Lil Twist is a black guy so there's some like also racist kind of, in my in my opinion some racist uh, play there you know what I mean this uh, Scooter Brown is actually of course uh, blaming a black guy for the evil deeds of Justin Bieber, <laughs> I don't know, like, the very debatable uh, things that he did, um, yeah, um, I think there was also a charge against Little Twist, uh, Mariana Position charge was, um, basically, Indiana blamed, uh, blamed on him instead of, uh, Justin Bieber, but anyways, I think Little Twist also gave an interview to the Business Insider, and, I think he said, yeah, yeah, he did, he gave, yeah, he gave in 2022 as well the uh, an interview to um, Business Insider, and he said that he believed that Brown repeatedly planted negative stories about him to try to deflect attention from Bieber. Right? Uh, there is one story in 2013 from TMZ featuring photos of Bieber smoking weed in a towel, and um, the TMZ story said uh, Bieber's uh, people are blaming his black friend Lil Twist for his bad behavior. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is this shit is insane, honestly. Like. Tomato to uh, Scooter Braun. Like, we should, like, honestly burn his house down. Like, this guy is quite insane. But, anyways. Um, also, another story said the sources involved in Bieber's life were deeply concerned that Twist has become a, instead, like, a powerful negative influence on his life. So, you can see, like, there is a lot of negative connotations in, in 2013 against him. Quite weird. Um, but, yeah, he's going basically for extreme lengths to salvage uh salvage his uh, artist's reputation and uh, therefore his own because as i said he's quite hands-on on anything and he's quite on like always on the uh, under the public spotlight so yeah so of course the reputation of the artist technically also reflects his own but i also would like to point out something something else here yes it is true that he um goes to great lengths to protect for example bieber but i would say that he protects uh, he, protects, he protects only like very select few that he deems more, more like cash cows in that sense. Like the the people that he knows are gonna give him some revenue, he's gonna protect at all costs. But the people he, he basically thinks very little of, I'm I, I, by people I mean his artists. He actually doesn't really care about like letting them go or like dropping them after quite a bit after being in their management. Like it's quite quite weird, honestly. But for example, yeah. He seems to be quite neglectful, for example, of other artists uh, like um, Madison Beer, for example. Uh, I think after the success he had with Bieber, he started amassing basically a lot of artists, which is why we got to like having also Ariana Grande and Demi Lovato under his belt. But yeah, he started to like get so many artists and sort of like trying to um, check, like to see who was, was going to stick in that sense. Whoever didn't, he, he could he just basically let them go in that sense. Um, so that meant basically that the minor inconvenience, he would leave them and jump off the ship, unlike with Justin, right? It was a horrifying experience, for example. Beer went through, just uh, Madison Beer went through like a um, very dark time in 2014, I think it was. She would, Her nudes were exposed on Twitter, and she was definitely scarred with years of anxiety, trauma, and shame. And as soon as that happened, instead of um, being helped by her manager, he dropped her. <laughs> so quite evil bitch um yeah so basically after 2014 like, they kept on working for like two years but the, he saw that basically there was a lot of backlash against her and um 
yeah, as soon as something bad happened, he basically dropped her. Um, because uh, allegedly he had to preserve his focus on like a couple of artists more than anything else. Um, yeah. Apparently, he was also involved in uh, his artist's career. Um, like, he, he, apart from the career, I would say, like, he's, he was also very much involved in their love lives, which is quite weird, honestly. Like, he's not even a publicist. Like, he's not even their publicist, but he's just a manager. But he is so hands on that he even, like, has some uh, influence on their love lives, all for marketing purposes, purposes of course. Uh, but at the end of the day, like, it's quite weird that he would have a hand in the love life of his artist. For example, let me break it down. Um, allegedly, he was behind the um, very on and off relationship between Selena Gomez and Justin Bieber, which arguably was, of course, a gold mine for uh, for the attention they brought to Justin and Selena. Like, so he was the one technically behind um, some articles, some um, stories going around, that they, they, like also suggesting that they broke up and back, go back together. A, lo a lot of that was like apparently his media strategy as well. Similarly, he also was uh, behind the Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson relationship. Uh, he introduced them to uh, uh, was it SNL, yeah. And Braun introduced Ariana Grande um, just basically for the lightning en engagement that they had, which sparked, of course, like a, a frenzy when it comes to tabloid coverage. But then a month later, they magically broke up and Grande also released her new song, Thank You, Next!, are you connecting the dots here? Like, it's a, definitely, like, a very PR strategy, like, based here. Um, yeah, so, yeah, of, of course, Thank You Next, uh, Randy sang a lot about, like, a lot of things, but also leaned a lot into uh, trashing her exes, including Pete Davidson. Um, I think you can see here that, like, um, you know, I, I think also, the, I think Pete Davidson had an interview as well, uh, saying that he felt like management was coming between them a lot and he never truly could flesh out a proper relationship with Ariana without having them involved. So you can tell that a lot of people were not having it, you know? Um, and think, uh, I think, like, Scooter Braun, being an asshole, basically started angering a lot of people. And, of course, that, like, at the beginning, like, all these strategies brought him, brought him a lot of money. But inevitably, there was going to be someone at the end who was going to bring him down and then a flood of um, criticism was going to come through. And that happened eventually with Taylor Swift. But, yeah, he has been burning bridges left and right for his whole career, all for the purpose of, like, amassing shit ton of money and not actually having ethical practices, I guess, in his job. So, donkey of the year, of the century, of the 2020s, probably. Um, yeah, um... I think the main point here is that he's so present as a figure and cares so much about his public persona, like his own, rather than, well, simply his artists, that he also seems to, for example, use documentaries um, about other artists to just boost himself up, for example, right? We can see this from the very beginnings with Justin Bieber when he did his documentary, I think it was Never Say Never, and in the documentary, it was, close, like, it was also like a huge elegy of um, basically Scooter Brown discovering this guy and... Uh, Justin Bieber, and being a savvy business uh, business manager and all that shit. Um, another example is the J Balvin documentary, um, seemingly seemingly like portraying Scorpion as the one who convinced J Balvin to speak about um, 
the youth protests in Colombia at the time. Or another one could be the Demi Lovato's documentary after her overdose in, when was it, 2020? 2020, 20, yeah, 2020, was it? I think it was that, I don't know. But the documentary was uh, put on YouTube and I remember watching it and thinking, holy shit. Like, it was of course about her life and her, about her overdose and all that, but there was also like a, a lot of talk about the management and then seemingly she was saved by Squirrel and the source of like her well-being was her management and all that shit. I was like, what does that have to do with anything? Like, you, management comes next. First, try to, like, you know, it should be about her, you know what I mean? Like, about her journey, recovering and finding her own two feet without her management being involved in that sense. I get it that it was a change of pace when she changed management, but I don't know. I find it quite weird, like, to glorify him in that sense for saving her from uh, addiction is quite weird, in my opinion. Um... Yeah, so, interesting. Um, but yeah, so, for example, in 2017, he started becoming more and more interested in investing outside, so outside of the music industry. So, of course, he managed to get a lot of money out of uh, management, um, but he eventually wanted to, like, like, it was never enough for him in that sense. He started investing in, um, basically, in investment banking, investment companies, and... Basically, he like redirected a lot of his funds to this new company that he has called Ithaca Ithaca uh, Holdings. Um, and oddly enough, there's a lot of question marks about this company, about this uh, investment company. Um, its inner workings are quite the mystery to this day. And Scooter Brown doesn't shy away from saying it. Like he says that one day he will eventually talk about his strategies and like how company works but as of now it's a big mystery so a lot of shady things you know but yeah um i think the business insider article also says that the name of the um company is quite like interesting because it's like a i i think it's um the city uh if i yeah yes from um old greek mythology uh, it was a mythical uh, homeland for the Odyssey, right? Um, and he also, Scorbrow also has like a studio called Mythos, which is quite weird. Um, yeah, so he also, like, I don't know, it's quite, it's quite weird. Like this um, obsession with the Greek um, uh, mythology just like, I guess, echo some sort of sense of like... Um, ancient power or like you know uh, prestige and all that stuff it's quite it's quite interesting um there's also an unpack there as well but yeah um basically in 2012 the company was founded but it was 2017 when he started like amassing a lot of money and like investing like in the growth of this investment uh company i think it grew to incorporate also scribron projects in 2012 um then they also bought off the venture capital firm TQ Ventures and then the publishing company Atlas and also including then eventually Taylor Swift's uh, former label Big Red Machine in 2019. So, you know, it was like a money-hungry man in charge of uh, an investment uh, company that was out and about to like basically monopolize a lot of the entertainment scene, you know? Um... But yeah, as I said, the guy has been hyperfixated with uh, on his public image in a way, and 
during the reporting of uh, this story, the insider experienced a first-hand lengths to which Brown would go to preserve the public uh, his, his public face. Right, Brown declined uh, declined to speak on the record. Um, he didn't. I actually even tried to. Um, I think stop these articles from coming out. Uh, but they eventually did, which is good. So we know a lot of. <laughs> thankfully, we know a lot about it because of them. But um, yeah. Uh, there's also a lot of like threatening letters that were received uh, from Braun against uh, Business Insider, um, yeah, and his attorney, Braun's attorney, is actually quite famous in Hollywood now. His name is Singer. He's quite famed for, like, um, basically, is very harsh um, approach against uh, journalists. Um, I think, oh yeah, we do have like on the business that actually uh, also announced this by saying that basically Mr. Singer, who is the, um, the attorney in question, um, also reported, uh, he also said that basically that the insider's reporting was an attempt to distort Braun's hard work and personality, basically. Um, and of course, he blamed them for being defamatory and um, honestly, trying to destroy his reputation overall. Um, yeah. They also think the attorneys also tried to like blame uh, specifically uh, Scylla. Was it was her name again? Yeah, the, uh, this article, um, a writer basically saying that she was pretty much involved with Taylor Swift camp and she was biased and all that shit. Uh, but there's no proof of that as far as I can see. So, girl, just stop, stop. Um, but yeah, I guess like when what then uh, shifted and uh, changed was, uh, as I said, the 2019 um, event. Taylor Swift is, of course, one of the bigger um, clients that he failed to uh, to basically put under his, uh, his belt. But he was sort of like, a, in my opinion, obsessed with having her under his own management or something of the sort that he tried to is like almost best to get basically some sort of uh, control over her which was why he purchased the masters in the end right um but Taylor, of course as i said like also in my previous story didn't go down without a fight a proper fight and actually she was quite um quite the the smart woman of course she started re-recording the albums and biting his ass basically and ever since then we've ever since then we've seen a lot of like changing pers uh, uh, perspective and um like uh when it comes to specifically scooter braun um most recently this year actually was probably the biggest uh, fall for uh scooter braun most of his biggest uh, artists all left his management. Justin Bieber left his management. Amy Lovato left his management. Ariana Grande did the same. Now she's signed with a new management. Um, yeah, J Balvin left the management quite a while ago. So you could see that once the, pub the public per uh, um, perception changed, everyone else was trying to like run for their lives away from this man because... Um, no one goes against Taylor Swift and comes out and scratched. You know what I mean? Like it took um, a lot of years and a big, 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 big pop star to bring him down, or to at least expose a lot of his bully-like behavior in that sense. Um, to finally, 
let people be more comfortable with sharing their uh, stories and truly, you know, unmasking the um, predatory practices that this guy has, you know? But this does not end here because, of course, once this public perspective perspective changed, he, um, of of course, started scrambling in a way because um, he lost his major, like, cash, uh, cash cow, so... Um, but more importantly, as I said, he's, um, being so hyperfixated as I said, on his public persona, he was not having it that Taylor was, um, basically portraying him in a bad light, and unfortunately, he could not control, like, the news outlets anymore, he was not able to do that, because you cannot even stop a celebrity from talking about it, you know, what I mean, once it's, it's someone that has such a big stature as Taylor Swift, you can even... You cannot even manage to blackball her from the media, uh, from the media, and from the industry in general. So that means instead he started to go for, um, the, like uh, go against the fans to try and silence the fans instead, because that's the main um, motor, I guess, behind, um, you know, all the bad press that he's receiving now. Like apart from the news outlets, there's a lot of general chatter against him. You know what I mean? And this was brought of course first and foremost by the Swifties. So for context, for example, the video that I was they watched this week, um that prompted me to do this was a video made by my one of my favorite YouTubers that also actually inspired me to do this whole podcast. But yeah, his name is Zachary. His um YouTube video uh, YouTube channel is called Swiftologist. And he has a like he basically covers a lot of pop culture but most specifically Sarah Swift of course. And he has a very like critical um approach to Taylor Swift, which is quite good, so just this is just also to say that basically he is of course a big, big, big fan, but he's, he's also not, um, you know, shying away from um, talking critically about Taylor Swift, uh, sometimes calling her out when it's due, for example, her becoming a billionaire, he called her out on that, it was an amazing video in my opinion, go watch that. Uh, so you can hardly call the guy biased in that sense, in my opinion, like of course he's a fan, so he will choose a side eventually in that sense, but like he will, he there is some bias there, but he's quite the critical thinker in that sense. So that surprised me a lot when um, all this happened because at first I was like actually scratching my head about how was it possible that like you know Scooter Brown could um, basically silence him and like take down one of his videos for copyright claims because technically like. Yes, YouTube is quite the hellish place when it comes to copyright, but, like, Zachary usually rarely reacts to music or as any, like, you know, in, like, any copyrighted item on his in his videos. So, he mostly does essays, basically, video essays, which is um, what, honestly, like, made me scratch my head. I was like, how did Scooter Brown manage to do that, you know? But then... Um, um, oh, and also, yeah, this video is quite, like, it, w- it was from this year, but it's, it was quite, it wasn't very recent, it was quite old, to be fair, like, a, 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 of a video, so, Scott Brown really had to go go and find it, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, basically what happened was, apparently the video was taken down because of the thumbnail and some photos used in the video, it had one photo of Scooter Brown in the, in the thumbnail, allegedly um, owned by Scooter Brown Project LLC, and... Mind you, the thumbnail was actually edited and transformed into something different by uh, Zachary. So technically, I would say that there is like some, also some 
like you know some muddy um i guess some gray areas there like he definitely did not reuse the same exact image like he edited it changed a lot of things there and then so there's quite a lot of um like he made it his own basically so there could be like a, an argument for him in terms of um even not breaching the copyright right but either way like youtube is so easy to like crack in that sense and use it um to take down other people like it has happened quite often already with other people so um mind you that the whole point of the video that he made was bringing down exposing uh Scooter Braun as well and of course uplifting Taylor Swift because I think we can all like agree by reading like what happened at the, at all the like you know the events in this timeline you can undoubtedly, undoubtedly say that Taylor is on the right side here so Either way, we're talking about facts. We're not talking about um, speculations and defamatory um, news. It's just uh, facts, you know? But either way, like, the video was, of course, not portraying him, uh, Scooter Brown, in a good light. And um, so, therefore, Scooter Brown had every little intent, every little reason to bring it down, you know? Um, the intermediary used uh, to bring down, to basically push the copyright claim against uh, Zachary was a non-traceable e uh, email address not linked to any real like law firm whatsoever so that basically cannot Zachary cannot actually you know um dispute the claim so <laughs> quite an interesting and manipulative strategy there from Scooter Braun but yeah but Zachary also uh, like published basically a TikTok denouncing this, and then also I think recently he put out a video I, I think yesterday or two days ago, where he went over how he was silenced and all that stuff, how the the video was taken down. He got, he got into like the nitty, the nitty gritty of it all. Go watch it if you're interested. Uh, but this is not the first time it actually happens. Um, there's also another YouTuber this year was uh, copyright uh, uh, struck by. Mr. Braun, and it's same exact story here, like, um, actually this guy, I think he has a bigger channel as well, he's close to a million in terms of subscribers on YouTube, uh, but he made a similar video, similar content, similar uh, copyright claim as well, this was back in May, and the YouTuber in question is called Sloan, uh, the guy used a bunch of pics and clips taken by paparazzi, but I think they were allegedly now owned by Scooter Braun, Project LLC again, so the same thing went down, the video was taken down, and, you know, we got um, to the same end. So, yeah, quite weird, uh, quite weird. Um, but, yeah, overall, I think the general thread here is um, sort of like a con congruent, um, it's like very, like, much in line with his general conduct, with uh, Scooter Brown's general conduct, uh, even with news outlets and the public in general, I would say. Since he wants to control his public perception so much and curb the narrative, yeah, specifically, the sole narrative that has managed to significantly significantly impact his reputation, um, which is, again, a clash against Taylor Swift. Now he, um, since he knows that he cannot silence Taylor anymore, he tries to instead go against, as I said, the fans by cutting down popular videos that portray him in a bad light. This is wild behavior. Big bully behavior, for real, for real. Um, but all I have to say is that, to be, to be fair, like this is truly pathetic, um, you know, strategy because it's very inefficient at the end of the day like these creators will take advantage rightfully so of the situation uh, as even as even further proof 
of how shitty of a person he is. So there is no saving him even by doing this. You know what I mean? There's no point in trying to salvage what you can because it's all like even more like going against your own benefit, you know? Um, all of his ma major clients are now gone. All of the press is against him. The tides turned quite quickly after someone with a bigger stature managed to knock him down, you know? And trust me, no one can beat Blondie in PR. No one can do that. No one. She is so well media trained and has an incredible publicist, an incredible legal team, an incredible PR team, which is her family. <laughs> Shout out to Andrea, period. And once the sides are reversed, everyone now feels safer, as I said, and more justified to bring their bad experiences with Scooter forward, you know? Ultimately, his true nature, nature came out, and that is the character of a manipulative, money-hungry bully. These are high school bullies. High school bullies. Well, these are schools. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> Scooter Broad. Fuck him. Uh, I hope I don't get um, killed by Scooter, Scooter Braun, by his team or whatever it is. But if that happens to me, please glorify me and make a Netflix documentary about me. I would want, personally, um, Josh Hutcherson to play myself. And I would definitely want the same director of uh, Pitch Perfect to um, make the movie documentary i want it to be a musical i want it to be fucking weird <laughs> when am i going with this i don't know <laughs> anyways this is the end of her first story fuck scooter ron please go and um i don't even know if he has like any social media active anymore but if he does go on and follow him there is one oh yeah i wanted to just to conclude this i just wanted to point out one one of my favorite tweets on twitter um there is one of his tweets, of Scooter Braun tweets, saying, uh, I think it was like, Amazing Night in LA, and one of the Swifties saying, And your last! <laughs> Either way, no one likes him anymore. His days are counted. He better watch his back. He's without a wife, and he, like, right now, so many things um, against him. It's over for him. It's truly over. Anyways... Let's get into the next story, the Willy Wonka movie. Hopefully I can um, turn the tides around and uh, talk a bit about something more lighthearted, you know? See you in the next one. Bye. And we are back. Back at it again with the second story, second and last story of the week. We're discussing the Wonka movie now. And why can I say this movie was definitely a big surprise because I did not expect personally to enjoy it this much. But yeah, I went to watch it on the 11th, I think, of December. It came out on the 8th here in the UK, and it was produced, of course, by Warner Bros. Um, yeah, I guess this year, like, Warner Brothers have, have had, like, a, quite a big year. They're really having a ball, honestly. Um, Barbie, the Barbie movie, turned out to be a great success, a huge hit at the box office and with the general public. And 
I suspect this movie、um, is going to do well. Not, of course, as well as Barbie. Definitely not that huge, like、uh, global success. But I think it's going to be quite good, partially because the、um, well, I would say not that good because not sorry, not as good. Partially because the advertising I think was not there at all actually for for the movie for、uh, Wonka.、Um, I think actually the. The trailers were actually quite misleading as well. Like, is the trailers did not sell the movie quite well, in my opinion.、Um, but also because the scope of the movie、um, is quite different. Like, it's not the same as Barbie. Barbie is supposed to, like is built to be a、um, how to say a blockbuster. You know, it's quite it's kind of like blockbustery in that sense, right?、Um, but The Wonka movie is definitely not that type of movie, you know.、Um, however, despite not having anything to do with Christmas per se, I guess, or the holiday season, as a matter of fact,、um, this movie is probably the closest thing we might have to a modern holiday classic, in my opinion. Like it's quite well fitting for Christmas, oddly enough.、Um, <clears throat> sure, there is a lot of snow. There is a lot of like you know,、um, talk about family, and there is also a lot, a lot like. There's plenty of sweets and like candies and happy times and all that stuff, but it's not about Christmas at all. So, but oddly, but even then, like it's very Christmassy, co- like coded in that sense, right? Um, it is actually a movie about a good old-fashioned Hollywood trope, in my opinion. Like it's the classic following your dreams. You know, you've seen this. Um. This type, of, this type of like content, like this type of story, time and time again in Hollywood, they really love that, especially in you know Disney Channel. <laughs> to be fair,、um, now as I said, this movie might have been undercut a bit by the advertising, but the few trailers and as we received made it seem like a silly and comedic、um, movie. To be fair, like to be quite frank, I was not planning to see the movie at all, precisely because of the trailers,、uh, because they failed to actually、um, sell the movie, which is actually what you would want from a trailer. You know, like that's your first taste of the movie to, to the public to invite the people in. But I think the, the trailer, yeah, quite、um, literally failed in that department. It fa-、um, yeah, but what you may ask, what changed my mind? What made me go to actually watch the movie? Uh, well, I'm actually an avid consumer of、um, a certain、um, content creator, which is、uh, Grace Randolph. The content created by Beyond the Trailer on YouTube, a YouTube channel that covers a lot of movie news and reviews.、Um, so yeah, the infamous Jessica Chastain hater and fingerless glover aficionado Grace Randolph. She did it again, man. She did it again. She、um, really. Gave a great review to the movie. Like, I watched the spoiler-free、uh, review, which is what honestly like is really helpful in that sense because like it, it really gives you like a good synopsis of the movie, but it doesn't spoil that much, and it really points out what's good and what's not good about the movie and why you should see it, why you should not probably see it. Like, she really get like gave me everything, you know.、Uh, so yeah, she basically did the work for Warner Brothers. Honestly,、uh, honestly, so. I'm quite、um, happy that I watched that review when、um, 
yeah, when I was able to, and that honestly was the sole reason why I went, I went to watch it, honestly. So yeah, I decided to go and trust Grace, despite the little interest I had in the movie, and I went to a theater on a Tuesday evening, sat my ass down, and let the magic work, you know, let the magic, the movie magic work. I even sat through the ads, to be quite frank, I like to to show the level of commitment that I had. I sat through the ads at the beginning, and I'm surprisingly glad that I did, because I finally saw the trailer for the new Studio Ghibli movie, uh, the, the Boy and the Heron, I think it's called, yeah. It looked so fucking good. Oh, I need to watch it so bad. I think that's going to be... Um, well, I'm not going to watch it in theaters, I think. Because there's just like very few showings. And most of the times I don't work. And I'm not going to be here now for two, two weeks. So I'm probably going to try and catch up uh, when it comes to streaming. Hopefully soon. But the trailer looked so good. And when I do watch it, I hope I can do a review. If, it really, if I really like it, of course. And if I really think it's worth it. But... That trailer was incredible. Like the animation is just kudos to Kisirigobli. But this is about Wonka, so let's get back. Let's get back to Wonka actually, because it's about really Wonka. You know, uh, the one and only Timothy Chalamet. Some may call him um, Choice Man, but <laughs> the straight twink of the town. But yeah. Timothy Chalamet. The only knowledge I have about Wonka, to be fair, the Wonka lore of it all, if there is any, is that movie with Johnny Depp, of course, um, the, Char uh, what is it, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, yeah, that movie's quite, 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 quite monumental, in my opinion, like, it's very, very good, it's one of my childhood movies, in my opinion, like, my favorite ones, um, like, it's a tall order to, like, keep this legacy going, you know, like, Johnny Depp was serving fuck-ass Bob of the century, honestly, like, that Bob was incredible, stiff as a fucking board, but, um, it was a fuck-ass Bob of the century, that I'd like to, to give the award, uh, of fuck-ass Bob of the century to that Bob specifically, and also, I cannot move on without talking about, uh, Violet, that girl in the original movie, with a juice couture tracksuit the baby blue cunt she's cunt she's a baby she's a child but she's cunt everyone hated her for whatever fucking reason but she was also rocking a bob and i simply had support her like too bad like she became a giant like floating ball in the movie and died but um violet you shall not be forgotten like i will be your last standing supporter if she has zero followers it's because i'm dead if she has one it means that i'm the only one left you know you know you know the gist but yeah let's get back on track um by watching the spoiler free review as i said i was actually able to um also manage my ex expectations to be fair like i was not expecting the movie to be anything like the original one, even though I before watching this the the spoiler free review, I was actually like my mind was going there to be fair. Like I cannot lie, I was like, is, it, is this going to be like another uh, Charlie and Chocolate, uh, Chocolate Factory movie? What what is it? What is up with that? You know? Yeah. So I was before watching the review was already building my like comparisons and all that. But Grace, I have to say, Grace saved me there. You know, um, no comparison needed because the movies are not that much related. I would say. I mean, yes, they are still about the same character, but this movie is a full-on musical. Uh, Wonka, Wonka, yeah, Wonka is a mu musical, musical, and it covers mostly the origin story of Willy Wonka. It's a completely different story than like, um, yeah, it's before uh, Wonka. Uh, open, like builds his empire and like his uh, factory and all that like it's actually the process of Wonka moving 
to this uh, city and trying to make a fortune, you know? Um, now, I'm a sucker for musicals, so I was very keen to watch this, honestly. Like, so, 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 so interested. Because I haven't had a good uh, new musical in a while. Um, and I have to say, of course, that if you're not a fan of uh, the genre, the musical genre, then this movie is definitely not for you. Because there's quite a lot of singing, like, a lot of it. And it's very theatrical, like, both in the acting and the scenes and, of course, the music. So... If you don't like that, if it's not your thing, don't go and watch it because you'll be, of course, disappointed. You know, it won't be your thing. But if you are inside like me, interested in watching a nice movie, a nice musical that puts you in the Christmas mood, then I urge you to go and watch it. it you're literally losing nothing here. Like, it's a very enjoyable movie, a very nice, like, setting up um, the holidays for you kind of movie, um, very lighthearted. A lot of wonderfully executed scenes and costumes. The movie basically follows the the journey of the young Wonka, as I said, following his dream of opening the chocolate factory, and also to honor the memory of his uh, deceased mom. Aww, that's so sweet. And also, mommy issues much, you know? He gets to this town where three of the most famous chocolate businesses are located. He has no money and one hat full of dreams as he sings along. Like, he has a song where he actually says that, so... Yeah, soon he's confronted by a very harsh reality here because um, everyone here is actually out to get him, especially the three chocolate business uh, men who see him as competition because he's actually really good. He's a great um, businessman as well. He's a great salary, knows how to market his products, and he's actually really good um, also in the, how to say, like the actual production of chocolate. Like he's. This guy has talent, you know? Um, but yeah, <laughs> to be fair, the poor guy can, cannot even read for his life. He cannot read. He's, a, um, he's illiterate. And he accidentally signs a contract that forces him to work in the laundry room of a hostel for the next 27 years of his life. Um, there, he meets this cute little girl named Noodle. What the fuck? What a fucking stupid name, honestly. But... <laughs> They quickly, they quickly become friends and business pals, actually. And they join forces to achieve their dreams and hopefully regain their freedom from this uh, exploitative uh, reality they live in now. The rest of the movie uh, is, of course, um, up to you all to see, to you guys. So I'll leave it to you. Um, yeah, the movie is, I would say, it's quite cliche in a way. Because, as I said, like, it's very formulaic. It's very, like... Um, classic Hollywood, uh, but in a good way, I would say, like, it's a, in, in a very good way, like, it feels like one of those classic stories that you would actually tell your children in front of a fireplace with a nice cup, a nice cup of hot chocolate, and believe me, you would want to have a hot chocolate with you when you, when you watch the movie, because it's uh, so good, um, it really left me with a sweet tooth, I wish I actually had some snacks, some sweet snacks with me when I watched it. But yeah, apart from that, it also made me feel all ready for the holidays inside and to see my family, actually. It is one of those movies, you know, like it really makes you miss home. Um, it's it's really good. Um, I won't spoil it, but also the noodle uh, arc made me shed some tears as well. It was so, 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 so sweet. She's a cute actress, you know, as well. Um, I cannot make this review without also talking about Tim uh, Timothy Chalamet, of course. He's the uh, main actor here. He's portraying Wonka, of course. Um, now, I have to say, 
I never felt any kind of way about him. I don't consider myself a fan per se. I'm not a shalmater or <laughs> however you you would call his stance, but I really had no interest, honestly, in seeing him, <laughs> to be fair. Like, I don't find the guy, the guy attractive, personally. Like, it's my personal opinion, nothing against him. It's not my type, but... And I never truly, like, had any opinion on him, to be fair, about his acting or whatever. But I... And, to be fair, I guess there's also another issue the movie might have here in terms of bringing an audience in. Timothy is not really that big of a star yet, personally. I don't think he, I don't think he is. He does not generate, like, enough chatter to promote... Like, the movie is not, like, an A-lister celebrity, like, a big movie name, like, you know, we're not dealing with that here. It's an emerging, he's an emerging, still a, quite an emerging, um, uh, how do you say, uh, yeah, an emerging star in that sense. He's definitely, like, out there, people, of course, he has a fair share of fans, but he's not, like, one of those Hollywood um, classic stars, you know, that make, uh, make like every movie touches like gold in that sense so yeah uh and this also brings another point that i have so he's it, apart from him not being able to like generate chatter in that sense because it's not that big of a name i also think there are no actual like recognizable faces in the movie yes of course um we have hugh uh, hugh grant we have rowan atkinson we have olivia coleman uh, but none of them are, you know, big Hollywood stars, like, they're not A-listers, you know? Maybe you Grant, you could make an argument for that, but his role is actually quite small in the movie, so yeah, it doesn't really help much, does it? So, yeah, I think that the movie could have helped, um, could have, you know, could have used some bigger name to just, you know, promote it on the business side, but it is what it is, you know? I don't have any complaint about their performances at all, actually, they're all, they're all so, 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 so good, but, you know, Maybe a, a bigger name could have helped the movie a lot. Um, but yeah, either way, Timothy was actually, I would say, like, quite a refreshing surprise. Um, I have to admit that he's actually quite charming and maybe the right casting choice for a young monk, I have to say. Like, he's quite well fit for, it, for the role, I think. I have to say, sometimes I felt like his acting was going too much into the Disney Channel ca category, perhaps because, like, the movie is actually intentionally going there, I guess. I don't know, maybe it, not, maybe intentionally or unintentionally, I don't know. But sometimes the movie does feel like a good old Disney Channel movie, so <laughs> take take that uh, with a grain of salt, of course. But yeah, um, but overall, I would say like I really actually liked him in the role. Uh, his singing is not the best, but hey, the facial expressions he makes are on point, very captivating, actually. He really tells you with the whimsical like vibe of the movie and the magical element as well. Like He really like embodies like a... Um, great like magician because supposedly like now Wonka is supposed to be also a, mag a magician in the movie um yeah quite a funny magician actually sometimes like he's really silly but yeah apart from him I like uh Noodle I like Noodle a uh, very cute kid who has also lost all hope and doesn't believe in dreams that's why like it also seems a bit like a Christmassy movie because it's like one of those type of um you could compare like to some movies like The Grinch for example where like these people are like hopeless and like the Grinch is hopeless and doesn't know like there's no one believing Christmas and all that but then he changes his mind you know it's like so, sort of that kind of feeling you know um but yeah uh I really empathize with her honestly she eats she does well she's a starved child like a poor child so she definitely want, would love to eat but <laughs> that was so mean what the fuck why did I say that 
but yeah, she's a child actor. Go easy on her on her performance, and I have crazy expectations. She's a child actor, but she's good. She's good in what she does. You know, she's good for the role. The choreographies and the musical scenes are all very well executed as well. And that's, I think, where the movie becomes very theater adjacent, I guess. Like, it's like even the acting itself, but also more so like the performances are quite like theater, theater centric in that sense, in a good way, of course. Um, I have to say, none of the, th- the, the, the songs actually stick with you, to be fair. They're not really that memorable, but they, um, I think what really sticks with you is the general vibe that the movie and the songs and everything else managed to create as a whole, you know? The message sent across, like the the vibe sent across, I guess it's like a magical world. It leaves you with a sense of wonder, um, and I guess that's all you could ask for uh, from a movie of this kind. To be fair, like it's quite well, as I said, like it's quite a good fit for the holiday season. Honestly, um, I feel like at times it reminded me a lot of the Polar Express, personally, like in terms of that like magical sense of watching it. Like even the the the, the chocolate. To be fair, like it that the that sweet tooth that I had when watching the movie, it was the same thing that happened to me when I watched the Polar Express scene when they got the hot chocolate there. It's just like that. It's quite, quite, I don't know. I felt the same way in that sense, which is um, quite nice. So that's why like, I'm probably wondering if I will rewatch it again like next uh, holiday season. But yeah. And I will also agree with Grace. She said that the movie's sort of like a male version of Mary Poppins because it actually is because Mary Poppins and the young Wonka have a lot in common. They're both like, sort of silly they're there like they're quite like magical like um sort of like magician adjacent they're there to like turn the things around and like um entertain the kids and save the kids and all that stuff and they both have like you know the um yeah mary poppins has that like bag that is bottomless and then he has the hat that is technically also bottomless here like he pulls things out of his hat all the time so yeah very cute very magical that's the value you can accept, uh, expect overall from the movie. Um, yeah. And uh, really, it did take me back to the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory sometimes, well, I would say. Um, now that I think about it. Um, especially when Wonka, I guess, makes makes people try his weird chocolate uh, creation. That's when it gets very close to the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, like the side effects, like the dangerous side effects as well, like all that. It's very reminiscent of the other movie in that sense. Um I am not sure if the movie, though, will do so well in theaters, like, overall. Um, that is to say, like, as I said, like, part, part of it is because of the marketing is not that good uh, for the movie. But I've been seeing there's a lot of chatter about it. Like, there's a lot of people, um, now that I do, starting to see, like, word of mouth is going around, which is good. Um, I think it was expected to open with a $35 million uh, domestic debut in the in box, US box office, but um, I think some articles are now saying that through the word of mouth, it might shoot up to like 40 or something. I think that, well, we'll know tomorrow, I think, Sunday, but anyways, I'm recording now, so we won't know until basically the end of this week, the beginning of next week, basically, yeah, so we'll see, hopefully it does better than expected, because I, I think a 35 could be quite, honestly, damaging for the brand, but um, a 40 is already more encouraging, maybe, you know, and I really want to see what what it does internationally as well, like, I'm very curious to see if people resonate with it, um, but yeah, uh, 
so yeah, here's hoping that movie does well. I expect the actual movie though will do better, I guess, on digital and on streaming eventually when it does come out on streaming. Um, I think it will. I don't know how about like repeat viewing in that sense, but if it does come out at a decent time in terms of like holidays, like if it comes out, I don't know, Christmas week or the week of New Year's, it might actually quite do quite well on streaming. To be fair. That really depends um, on when they release it, to be fair. But, yeah. Overall, I would say that I actually really enjoyed the movie. Um, I think it's a very cute holiday experience. Definitely not a mind-blowing movie in that sense. Not by any stretch of imagination. But definitely an accurate, like, movie for its scope and and the season is, like, released in. So, as a vote, I would give it, like, a 7 out of 10, I would say. Like, a good movie. Um, I would rewatch it, but only, like, not immediately, like, definitely not now, but I would rewatch it next year, probably. I would, I would if uh, I'm feeling in the mood, I would watch it again for Christmas, you know? That's the kind of vibe I'm getting, but, yeah, kudos to, uh, Timothy for putting himself out there. I hope, well, I doubt that this movie will do, um, a bunch for him in terms of, like, reputation in the movie industry, like, it's not gonna be that, um that movie for him, not like, um, you know, Barbie did for Margot Robbie in that sense, it's not gonna be that for him, but, you know, like, he's definitely showing different charms here, I think it's quite a different role from what he usually does, actually, like, that's why I think I was quite impressed and refreshed when I saw the, his performance, because truly, like, performing uh, in a different, like, camp in that sense, you know, a different, a different uh position so kudos to him um yeah that's um pretty much my review in the movie i'll i'll leave it up to you guys to go and watch it to check it out um and yeah like if you do go and watch it um maybe bring your family if you can with you there will be a, a nice little like family movie for you all to watch or bring your friends bring whoever you feel close to because that's quite like a funny and bring yeah bring chocolates bring uh sweets bring candies that will definitely aid the movie a lot a lot a lot a lot right so um before i close the episode i wanted to um in case just in case i don't do like an episode i'm still unsure if i'll be able to do an episode this coming week because um I'm leaving literally on a Saturday, and sometimes I manage to, like, get my notes ready by, like, Thursday or Friday, but this time around, for example, I, um, got my notes ready for, for the whole thing, literally, Saturday night, so, it really depends on how it goes, if I don't get an episode out, um, for the next Monday, then I'll I wish you all a great Christmas, a great holiday season. Hope you all are enjoying your time away. If you're seeing your family, I hope you enjoy seeing your family, seeing your relatives, and also have like a great have a great uh, New Year's Eve and yeah, big celebrations to y'all. Um, New Year's, we're gonna have some ex- exciting things to do. The podcast is definitely going to keep going. I'm enjoying the process, honestly. Third uh, episode in a row, and I am very happy with what I'm doing. Um, 
So, yeah, definitely expect more episodes with the new year. Stay tuned in that sense. I am uh, considering ringing some of my besties sometimes in some of the episodes when I can. My best friend, she might join me in one of the new episodes of the new year. We are planning to dish on some Christmas eggs, like some holiday eggs. We might do like a reoccurring thing where we, after every like big um, holiday or whatever it is, we just bring back some new eggs that we have about people. And we're going to go down. We're going to go down. I'm just going to tell you, like, when I'm with her, we're going to be unhinged. So... <laughs> You better stay tuned for that. You better stay tuned for that. And yeah, like, that's pretty much it. So yeah, if I don't see you, happy Christmas. Love y'all. Enjoy your start of 2024. I'm scared. I hope 2024 um, goes out with, uh, uh, you know, starts off with with a bang. Great things, um, hopefully, coming for everyone. And yeah, like... (laughs) Stay cool, stay hot, stay fresh, stay fucking slaying, and remember to stay skinny as well. You don't want to be um, putting on weight on the uh, holidays, or you're going to start moaning throughout your entire new year. So, yeah. Toodles. Bye.